Hello and welcome to a post-game edition of the Panthers Tracks podcast. I am your host, Ellis Williams, joined by my mother's three favorite people, me, myself, and I. We're coming to you following the Panthers' heartbreaking 26-24 loss to the Cleveland Browns at Bank of America Stadium on September 11th. The regular season opened in dramatic fashion across the league. I mean, I wish we could stay here and talk for two hours about uh, the Sunday that was and perhaps even forecast the Monday ahead. But there's only so much time in the day, y'all. And I got to give you the breakdown of what was one of the most memorable football games I've ever been to. A A football game that had the highs and the lows, the explosives, the questions, the pure drama that makes NFL football the best soap opera in America. And the Panthers, unfortunately for Panthers fans, were on the wrong side of not only great drama, but of history. Uh, The Cleveland Browns haven't won a home opener in decades, or excuse me, a week one opener in decades. Cade York who made the 58-yard kick with eight seconds remaining to win the game, who, by the way, is a fourth-round rookie out of LSU, former teammates of Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Justin Jefferson, excuse me, T. Higgins played for Clemson, Justin Jefferson, and Terrace Marshall. His new career long is obviously 58 yards. That's his lifetime long. He's never made a kick that long in his life, high school, college, never done it, even though there is, that's why he was selected so high. That was the expectation. He still had never done it. Bill Dawson, one of the most legendary kickers in NFL history, and of course, the most legendary kicker in the Cleveland Browns history. His career long is 57 yards, you guys. And this rookie strolls into Charlotte, kicking it literally at Bank of America Stadium and makes history right in front of everybody. I know you guys were on the wrong side of it, and I'm sorry about that, but what an exciting game. And to break it down, I've got a little bit ready, fresh cooked for y'all called 10 Truths and a Lie. And now rather than bake the lie in there and make you guys pick at the end, I'm literally just going to give you my 10 truths and we'll get out of here with my lie and we'll be on our way. There's a lot to get into. So let's get rolling right from the jump. The first truth from the Panthers' 26-24 loss is you can't blame the refs for this one. I understand that the refs made some mistakes. I am in complete agreement that the non-grounding call is bad. And in another reality, that is called there's a 10 second runoff and the Panthers win the game as Matt Rule said at the podium he thought it would be a a huge moment for the program his words now you're saying well Ellis that's literally we can blame the refs if that happens if they make the quote-unquote right call then Carolina wins that's not how this game works y'all have watched enough football enough sports if you're listening to this to understand you cannot let the most high stake game in the world, which is professional football, you cannot allow 
these outcomes to come down to officiating. I understand that sometimes they do. And I understand that these games are close. But if you're going to be the best version of yourself, which is the goal every Sunday for these teams, you take it out of the referee's hands. You don't allow it to come down to a roughing call or a questionable grounding call. You have, this is not coach speak. I promise you it isn't. It's something I firmly believe in. You got 60 minutes to win the game. Don't be in that situation. And if you are, sometimes you're going to be on the right side of it. And sometimes you're going to be on the wrong side of it. And I, every fan base besides, no, literally every fan base feels like they've been on the wrong side of a call. I was going to say besides the New Orleans Saints, but in 2009-2010 season, there were a lot of calls in the NFC Championship game against the Minnesota Vikings that went for New Orleans that helped them eventually win the Super Bowl. About nine years later, facing the Rams, there's the infamous blown pass interference against the Saints, or excuse me, against the Rams defense as the Saints were driving to go win the game, not called, which actually sparked the challenge rule for, for pass interference, which they then quickly revoked. Funny how we get all herky-jerky in the moment, right? I understand I just gave you two examples that are nearly a decade apart. These things tend to even themselves out. Now, maybe Matt Rule won't be around Carolina long enough to see it even out. But my point is, eventually it does as a fan. It evens out for you guys. So I don't want to hear it. It's really that simple. There's players in the locker room who agree and were candid about their disagreement with the calls. But every time they said that, whether it's Shaq Thompson or Christian McCaffrey, who said the roughing the passer call against Brian Burns was horrid, which I disagree with. It wasn't horrid. It was subjective and that happens in this league as soon as they criticize the ref they immediately say what i'm telling you right now is we can't let the refs control the outcome that's not trained pr tactic that's just the reality of this league you can't let it get there if you're mad about it that's fine you i get it that's cool but you just can't let it get there because this league is there's too many opportunities to go win football games and if you lollydag around and let the refs get involved, they tend to do exactly that. Truth number two kind of coincides with the referee truth. Don't let specialists decide the outcomes of these games unless you plan it that way. What I mean by that is the Browns planned to have their kicker end this football game. It's why they drafted him in the fourth round. It's why they probably liked Evan McPherson last year before the Bengals got him in the draft because Evan McPherson was the third best player on the Bengals during their Super Bowl run. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Evan McPherson. That kid won three games for them in the playoffs, back to back to back. Not even Drake does that. That's a back to back joke for any of y'all. Anyway. Carolina's not in a position to let their specialists win these games. Matter of fact, Carolina, with the ball, had a chance to 
either run out the clock and then kick the game winner. You'd have to really have some astounding time tackling execution for that to have worked out. Or you could have just went for six. You could have scored the touchdown and not even had your kicker take the field. Because what if Eddie Pinero misses that kick? You're like, you're really going to put it, the game on the leg of a kicker you brought in two weeks ago who you have a backup signed to on the practice squad because you're not really – I'm not really sure about him. And I say that because I saw him missing kicks at Thursday's practice – or excuse me, at Friday's practice. I was like, uh-oh. But he was fine. Eddie kicked really well. And he t- talked to me after the game and said, you know, he really regretted the kickoff. That was a, that was a botch. And that allowed the Browns to start on their 40 in a really critical drive. Uh, but he felt good about how he kicked, and he loves the weather here. You know, he said, he, you know, I've kicked in at the Meadowlands. I, I, I've kicked at Soldier Field in Chicago. This is this is a breeze. <laughs> no, those, those are my words. But, he, you know, he, he, under, he appreciates the weather here was the point. And he was comfortable, and he feels like he can generate some momentum now, right? That's, that's a little tidbit from the locker room. That's why you tune in here because, I, look, I enjoy writing. There's just a lot to write. You know, and, and when I can get on here and free flow with y'all, you're going to get those nuggets. But he made the kick. Okay. The issue is not attacking the end zone. Now, here's what you guys probably aren't going to like. I'm going to defend Matt Rule here. They didn't attack the end zone because on first down from the Browns 14-yard line, Baker Mayfield and Pat, Pat Elfline bobbled a snap. It was their fifth time they've had a, a failed exchange in the game. Carolina recovered all four of those. They gained positive yardage on one because Christian McCaffrey is one of the coldest humans on earth. His longest gain of the day, 28 yards or 32 yards, depending on who you ask, doesn't even count in the stat book because it was a fumble recovery that he advanced. Had that been under two minutes, he couldn't even have advanced that football. That shows you how damning these botched snaps are not only do you waste it down not only do you usually use yard lose yardage because you're just falling on the football which is what happened the three or four other times but under two minutes you can't even advance that football luckily for the Panthers it happened late in the third quarter which set up a eventual Baker Mayfield seven yard rushing touchdown to cut it within one score but that play shouldn't even count in the if it happens in the most critical moments of the game right so we can talk about how Carolina got unlucky. They get lucky there. That's football. These things bounce, right? So you back to the, the, the last offensive series for the Panthers. I'm not counting one play they ran with eight seconds to go, the, the lateral stuff. That doesn't count. So the last series before Eddie's kick, Baker Mayfield botches that snap on first down, it changes your entire calculus for how you can call that out. The Browns had timeouts to, to use, right? To preserve the goal being to preserve as much time as possible for Jacoby Brissett and their offense to go down and then kick an eventual game winner, or perhaps needing to score a touchdown. Okay. So from the Panthers standpoint, if I'm just putting myself, you know, on the sidelines or up in the booth with those guys, I'm thinking or talking into a headset or just making it clear, which is what they all were on the same page to do, which was accurate. We need to sim- at the simultaneously accomplish these two things. Exhaust Cleveland's 
rack of timeouts while getting a shot or two to the end zone. How do you do that? Well, you got to run the football to burn timeouts, right? You can't risk an incompletion or you've completely shot yourself in the foot. Or you, now I'm doing some game theory here, but you could say, screw the clock. We don't really care, which if that's just a blanket statement, you're going to get fired immediately as a coach, but let, let me build on that. You see the points as more valuable than time. So you want to get a touchdown because you know you don't want a kick to beat you. You want to force Jacoby Brissett, Nick Chubb, and Kareem Hunt to go get a touchdown, which they, the Browns very well could have done if, you know, you throw three incompletions and score on the four, fourth one or something. Well, you know, two incompletions, score on the third because you're not going for it on fourth down. But Carolina, the most analytically correct thing, in my opinion, would, have, would be to know you have three plays for them to burn two timeouts. So you run it on first down, you throw it on second down, then you run again on third down. And that, that leaves you a plethora of options because I didn't even give you the outcome of those plays. I'm just telling you the call, right? So let's say, let's say on first down, you run it, game two, now they burn a timeout. All right, second and seven, second and eight. You can take a shot at the end zone or even for the sticks. I would go for the end zone, but you can even you can just go for the sticks. Let's say you convert that. Now you're playing with house money. You know this kick's going in from 26 or 25 yards, an extra point, closer than an extra point. And then you can keep taking shots at the end zone while milking the clock still. Cause now they, there's no way they are going to be able to control this clock. They have one timeout. That's if you complete a pass on second down, let's say you don't complete a pass on second down clock stops. Okay. Now it's third and seven. You run the football and Christian McCaffrey had just picked up a first down on a third and seven run gaining nine yards, a couple plays prior. So you're in complete control of that series. If you're Carolina had Baker Mayfield, not, Botch that snap. And this is, it's not a knock on Baker. I, I didn't play quarterback. I don't understand how botched snaps happen. And you can even look, tell in the presser, there's not a lot of, there's not much of an explanation for it. Um, I'm just going to ask some people this week about it. Cause now I'm, now I'm really curious. Like it, it, it probably is just as simple as taking your eyes off the ball, right? Like if you're a receiver, it, the reason receivers tend to drop footballs is, you realize the football is millimeters away from your hands. You are sure you'll catch it because you do this as much as you brush your teeth or drink water. So then you take your eyes off the hand-eye coordination part of receiving. When those eyes come up, ball hits hands, and for whatever reason, grip doesn't happen or your movement because you're trying to run with it. You, you do one step prematurely before the other thing is secure, right? So the same theory can be placed on a quarterback center exchange from shotgun. Baker says Hutt assumes football is going to securely hit his hands because he sees it right there in front of him. Eyes are raised to the field to start executing play and the ball is never completed. Now, maybe as a quarterback, you're the best ones still secure the catch while not looking at the ball and then they execute it. I, I'll ask. Uh, it's, it's fascinating, but 
either way, obviously the number one priority is to secure a quarterback center exchange, or you're going to be like the Carolina Panthers and be forfeiting downs in a Vegas pick game that it came down to two points and up the leg of a rookie kicker. You can't forfeit downs. Did I make that clear? All right. Huh, that's funny. My third truth is don't drop snaps and lose downs. I already, I just explained all that. that man, I, I should probably uh, follow my notes more, right? But no, truth two and three are, 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 are literally related. It, you can't let your specialists decide games, but the reason the specialists decided games was because Baker Mayfield and Pat Elfine botched the snap in the most critical moments. All right, fourth truth. This offense is going to be okay. And I don't mean okay like average. I mean, maybe they'll be average, but I'm just saying like things are fine. I watched the Panthers offense start miserably, in their words, slowly, and each series they got better. You started to see them figure some stuff out. This RPO stuff might be here to stay. I like the inside run. I think they're built well with Brady Christensen, hopefully eventually Bradley Bozeman, who I don't think is much of a, any better of a pass protector than Elfline, but he's a better run blocker than Elfline, which then again will only strengthen your inside run. And then you have Austin Corbett over there with a, you know, you can have Ecom crash down too, uh, you know, on, on some uh, duo, duo meaning, you know, you get a double from center guard someone's going to second level you're having your tackle secure backside there and you can be real effective on that those inside quick hitting zones while running rpo which is what popped the dj Moore play right so what i'm trying to say is they really found something that worked let's we'll see if it continues we're going to ask about them but they'll never give us you know um game script or theory or anything like that for obvious reasons um but it looked good i thought it looked good uh it'll help uh, Baker play faster Christian is a really effective between the tackle runner when there's push um and then that tempo allows you then to you know you're pushing Christian inside so much then you can dump it out on the perimeter to him as as the defense is expecting inside run inside run and then boom you swing pass it out to Christian and that I mean that's I'm just I'm just telling you exactly what happened in the last drive there and I think that's replicable and then the Robbie Anderson touchdowns really nice um, blown coverage. Sure. But you know, they made the play. You, you, you still like, I, I don't like when people say, well, you take away the chunk play and the blown coverage. It's like, yeah, but it happened. It, you know, the goal is to not allow yardage and touchdowns. So why do you just get to take away the biggest yardage and touchdown of the game and say, besides that, it was a okay. Like I get it. The Browns dominated. The bad Browns defense is no joke, which is maybe one of my truths for later. So I'm going to shut up. Um, this offense is going to be all right. And give Ben, ben McAdoo time. I probably should have said this at the top of the show, but anyone who listens, has listened to this or you know catches me on some radio hits knows how I feel about um, judging a, a football team after week one I don't think we are going to have any idea what this Panthers team really is until at least three weeks through the season and I like to hit the quarter mark and get 
give me four weeks of football, give me four weeks of tape, give me four weeks of tendencies, give me four weeks of injuries, give me four weeks of roster deployment and, 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 and personnel packages, and I'll tell you what your offense and defense are good at and what they're not. And I'll have a much accurate forecast of where the year's going based on upcoming schedule. But after one game, after two games, we're figuring we're – I'm talking as a coach there, but I, these coaches are, are figuring stuff out. You, it, this is how this works. There's, the, the preseason is the preseason. And, and an oversimplification, the thing everyone says now, well, you know, Chuck, uh, the preseason isn't, doesn't really count. The, the, the first few weeks are just an extension of the preseason. Like, forgive my George, my lame George W. Bush accent there. I don't know why I did that. I just, I think it's funny when people will just regurgitate obvious statements and act like they came up with them, right? Um, but it's true that that's, that's uh, how this league has worked for a while and should work because, you know, it's kind of like the NBA playoffs. No one really cares to play their best football or basketball early in the calendar. What the heck does that do you? You know, be eight and eight, no, excuse me, be 500 around Thanksgiving and then go win three or four straight. You're in the playoffs. Cool. That's the, that's the goal. And then you're playing your best football because you're on a roll. These early games don't matter. I don't, I really don't care what people think. They don't matter. They matter. You need to see process. You need to see improvement. You need to see concepts formulating and developing, but the result doesn't really matter. Wins are great. You should like, yeah, frick yeah. You know, good the Browns probably feel about this win. The fact they escaped with one and every win they can get without Deshaun Watson is like opening a Christmas gift on Christmas Eve and not having to wait till morning, right? Like this is that's that, that's they're 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 happy. The but it, you can't get too hung up on one result. And if the Panthers lose next week, it's not the end of the world either. Now, if it, it all depends how it goes down. And I'm not going to preview New York here. We're going to do that on Wednesday or something. But the offense improved each series is my point. We'll talk about the defense in a second because they didn't do any of that. All right. Offense identity, I kind of touched on this already. And as I'm going through my exercise, I'm, I'm noticing I, I tend to just kind of touch on everything as I go because isn't that the point? Your hypothesis should be supported by all of your evidence. And that's what I have. It all is interconnected. Shocking how that works. It's like I thought about this before I started talking or something. Um, I think this team has slowly started to identify its identity. Identify its identity. That's either lazy or pretty dope. Inside run. They, they got to get Christian McCaffrey the ball more, which is my next truth after that. So we're down to six. So I'm going to do five and six at the same time here. If you are going to be this inside run team, it allows you then to feed Christian McCaffrey more while having Baker Mayfield have the option to quickly pull out and, and take a, a flare on the outside. He hit Shai Smith on one. He hit Ian Thomas on one. And then you can work DJ inside behind that later in the game, which is, again, exactly what they did. I like it. I, I think it looked good. I, I think those last three series looked pretty, pretty crisp from, from the Panthers um, against a really good defense. Truth number seven, Ike McQuan is going to be okay. 
really, really challenging first draw for the rookie um, to the point where I don't feel bad for him because he doesn't feel bad for himself. It, that's in the grand scheme of things. He'll look back on this game in one, two, three, four, five years and be grateful for it because what a story. I mean, this young man, a Charlotte kid, goes to NC State, taken by the hometown team, and then gets to start his career against one of the GOATs. And it went exactly how we all thought it would. Miles Garrett, eight. Icky had some okay flashes, and it didn't cost them the game. And I was worried it may at some point. I mean, Miles Garrett went for that strip sack that he almost ended that game. You know, he, I called I called Miles Garrett LeBron James in 2020. He was the best player on the field for a handful of those early Browns wins in 2020 when they started, uh, you know, four and two, five and two, something like that. He just, he's a wrecker. He is a complete and absolute problem and a wrecker and gone consecutive plays halfway through the third quarter on Sunday. He just beats Miles on a speed rush, looping outside, dips his shoulder. Anyone watching? Wow, that's what it looks like, right? He gets underneath, loops around like this, and then decreases his split. So the loop starts, that's too wide. The loop starts, and then once he gets under his, he comes uh, left shoulder, you decrease your split. You keep, you got to stay close to his hip pocket right here. This is Ecom. You stay close to the hip pocket, and then that allows you to work leverage around him, and boom, you're in the quarterback. And even if the, then when the quarterback steps up naturally, as Baker did, and, you know, because it's not a crushing blindside hit, quarterback steps up, feels pressure, you can follow behind, and that's when you attack the football as, as taught by um, any de defensive end, and especially the elite ones that can not only get the sack, but try to get the football too. Um, we've seen Miles do it plenty of times. Um, He's just so fun to watch and credit to Ike McQuano. He held his own and took his welcome to the NFL moment uh, like a champion. Players inside that locker room are, are, are proud of Icky on, from Sunday performance. He's going to be just fine. Carolina got a real one. All right. Truth number eight. Um, I, I kind of said it earlier. That's a loaded Browns defense. That's a stout, really athletic, well-coached, uh, defensive coordinator Joe Woods, formerly of the 49ers, being the pass game coordinator there, worked with Nick Bosa and Richard Sherman, understands uh, rushing four and dropping seven, teaches his defensive linemen to stop their pass rush and pay, play passing lane. That's why Jadavion Clowney gets uh, two pass deflections. That's why the uh, Browns defensive line had five tip passes in total. These are coaching points. These are points of emphasis, and they were executed extraordinarily well kudos to joe woods kudos to miles garage david Clowney, jeremiah wusukor more one of the upcoming linebackers in this league that's a that's a really well put together game plan uh john johnson the safety up there um they denzel ward greg newsome they've got they've got some dogs y'all and i say that only because it should give panthers fans a lot of legitimate hope when you go back and watch what Carolina did in the second half, they, they got some stuff they wanted. And, and that's in, in, encouraging. It really should be. What's not encouraging is this defensive line right now, this front seven. I, I don't know how to evaluate it because for everything I just said about the Browns defensive unit, I can say the same about the Browns offensive line in their running game. 
I mean, they very well could be the best rushing team in football. And that was always the question when I was covering the Browns was like, well, are they a better rushing team than the Ravens? Because the Ravens have Lamar Jackson. They're completely different rushing teams, which I think then makes the Browns better because they just have a better offensive line. They have better running. They have more, they have, they have more runners who are as talented as Lamar Jackson in different ways. But at the end of the day, the, the, the outcome is high yard per carry averages with the ability to score touchdowns the likelihood to score touchdowns and that offensive line is beastie joel batonio is an all-decade player uh, an all-pro guy left guard for them wyatt teller one of the highest paid guards in football jedrick wills a, a top 10 pick in 2020 and then they have bill callahan Offensive line coach who's the best run game coordinator in football. I wrote about all this in my preview. I hope you guys consumed it because, you know, I said it, I know it, and that those things did materialize. I'm not always going to be right. This ain't no victory lap. Football is a very challenging game to predict, forecast, and theorize about. But when you understand roster composition and tendency, you can put – some things together and figure out how games may unfold without being inside these buildings. Like I'm not, I don't work for the Panthers, obviously. Uh, if I did, I wouldn't be doing this and I would hundred percent know the game plan. All I can do is theorize. And a lot of that panned out how you envision because of how talented that Brown's rushing attack is. It's beastie. And it looked like for the first time in Kevin Stefanski, the Browns head coach's tenure, he is successfully deploying Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt at the same time. You guys have no reason to know this or care, but uh, for two years there, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt didn't really share the field together. And on Sunday, they were on the field a bunch. I, would, I don't have the snap counts up, um, something I'll look at. I still got a ton of research to do before we um, move on to, to the Giants previews, but that's a that's a really good run defense, but that doesn't change the fact that the the, the Panthers got pushed back. I, I'm worried about that that front. I'm worried about this this linebacking group. They're tackling. I'm worried about how they're going to get after the quarterback. Jacoby Brissett was too comfortable. He he looked athletic when he shouldn't have at times. I mean, he was evading rushes. You know, he had defensive tackles chasing him, and Jacoby's winning that stuff. Um, I was not impressed with the tackling, obviously, not impressed with the blitzing ability to get home. Um, I'm going to say this. Donovan Peoples-Jones had a handful of really clutch catches against Dante Jackson that maybe that's just because DPJ is really good while he's not. If you're going to have three corners and go play man coverage on third down, you got to get off the field. That's what I'm going to say. And that'll change. This is not an indictment. I'm not going for nobody's job. I'm not trying to be negative. This is just like, okay, if your secondary is your biggest strength of a defense and you're not creating turnovers, then get a pass deflection on third and six. Don't let them run an out route at the sticks. Um, I'm going to get out of here. A lot to do. I appreciate your guys' time as always. We're going to get back to you later this week. 
hopefully be in studio. I'll sound a little crisper, look a little more crystal clear. Here's the one lie. The sky is falling because it ain't. I hope my argument, my 10 truths help support the fact that this is not over for the Carolina Panthers. There's a lot of positives to take away. And again, I don't want to judge this team until at least three weeks is over. It's going to be a fun ride. Stick around. Try to enjoy it. And if you enjoy football, if you enjoy your Sundays by getting angry and mad about stuff, then that's fun too. I'm not telling you how to consume it. I am suggesting you enjoy it because it's a great time of year. You only get so many week ones. You only get so many week twos. No week is ever the same. History never repeats itself, but it often rhymes. We'll get back soon to y'all with a Giants preview later in the week. Keep it locked at charlotteobserver.com for Matt Rule's reaction from Monday Pressers. We'll be inside the locker room Monday. I'm going to check back with you guys in the middle of the week with a Giants preview. This podcast was produced by Michaela Holder. For myself, Ellis Williams, I am signing off of the Panthers Tracks podcast. Thanks for listening and take care, y'all.